I'm Chris Pemberton, and I'm a Saluki. No! Get out of here! I'm Nina Pemberton, and I am an icy redbird. Bird fans for life. I guess I'm okay with that. Go birds! Hello fellow Redbirds, welcome to Bird Fans Forever, podcast number 23. If you're new to our channel, you should check out our at Bird Fans Forever Twitter account and follow in order to get a first notice of new videos that we publish. You can follow along there also for information and fun polls. Our website is www.birdfansforever.com and on there you can find our links to all episodes of our podcast across a plethora of apps. Apple, Google, Spotify, and others, as well as a tab to access our videos on YouTube, where we are also called Bird Fans Forever. So, dunk on the YouTube subscribe button and follow us on Twitter so you'll be the first to see new episodes and get other fun information from us. Our guest for today is Larry Lyons, who was in the athletics department for 33 years and was at Redbirds athletic director from 2013 to 2020. We'll be right back with Larry. This is Bird Fans Forever. This is episode 23 with Larry Lyons. Uh, Larry Lyons started in 1987. Uh, I started in 1985, so I was there when Larry started. This was awesome. So, Larry, thank you for being on. Um, we usually start this out with, how'd you get the ISU? So, we'll start with that one. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to having the conversation with you. Love it. Um, how did I get to ISU? How much time do we have? <laughs> this is the Larry Lyons show yeah. now, as long as you need. All right. I'll, I'll try and give you the Reader's Digest version, but uh, <laughs> I have a biology degree from the University of Illinois, and I wanted to be an eye doctor, and I didn't get into optometry school, so I had to retool. So I ended up, <laughs> and I'm from Pontiac, I ended up, and my wife and I end up in Bloomington. I'm taking night classes in accounting because I figure I can retool through the accounting uh, mode and can take night classes, work full time. Uh, passed the CPA test. I was working with some local uh, accounting firm, Dunbar. Great people. Yeah. Illinois grads, Illinois state grads. Uh, thought, look, you know, I, this is a this is a place that I could can can sink my teeth in and you know work my way up to partner. And two years in, I get uh, pulled over by my supervisor. Says, There's a job at ISU. We think you'd be perfect for. And my first thought is, what am I doing wrong here? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, and that's not the case. I was kind of the, the sports guy. I still had football tickets over in Champaign. And, you know, the partners were, you know, like I said, Illinois and Illinois State guys. And um, it was for the first assistant AD for business and finance that Illinois State had, would, have, would ever have. And Bob Frederick started the search. And okay, so uh, Bob Fredericks. We were wondering if you were with um, Ron Wellman or Bob Fredericks. Well, Frederick started the search in the spring, and okay. then he took the Kansas job, and yes, they yeah. delayed the search and finally hired Ron, and then they started the search again. And okay. uh, I, I've somehow I made it to, as one of the finalists, and uh, he, uh, he called me on a Friday and said, Larry, I'd like to offer you the job. And... Um, I said, well, you know, this is this is, uh, you know, a pretty big move for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave a, a pretty good career, and and I'm very 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 interested. Right, but I want right. you to I want you to meet my wife. I think it would be important for her to maybe understand a little bit more who you are and what your vision is and that kind of stuff. And uh, we met at Bennigan's. Remember the old Bennigan's there on Veterans Parkway? <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, he was leaving to go back back home, and uh, uh, he said, yeah, let's meet real quick at Bennigan's. We walk in and. 
and uh, sit down. And hi, Ron. This is my wife, Maureen, and um, very interested in in, uh, in the program and what you have to say. And he just about started to talk a little bit, and she looked in his his baby blue eyes and said, "We're in." <laughs> so she accepted the job then i very quickly said yes uh, i agree we're going to do this and uh and i started in uh, in august of 1987 another important hire came that time too julie morgan was hired yeah. we came in at the, we came at the same time so um very atypical for somebody to come back then from outside the athletic world into uh into the athletic world and one of the things one of the questions i had to the search committee was you know i'm i am an accountant i am i passed the cpa test and i think i can handle that side of the job but i don't know anything about college athletics other than i'm a fan and most fans think they know more than they know but i was (laughs) even back then i was smart enough to say i'm not sure that you know I, i i really am you know what you're looking for and they said no that's not that's not it you're exactly what we're looking for. We need somebody to come in and get the business side squared around. We'll teach you athletics, which I thought was very, very interesting. And um, it uh, it was a great move for me, uh, obviously, personally, uh, professionally. And then it ended up being a really good move for, for the family. It, uh, my, Matt was three. My daughter, Kristen, had just been born. She was eight weeks old when we took the job. So... Uh, yeah, very interesting that uh, I ended up uh, at Illinois State uh, um, coming out from, coming from public accounting. But again, it was uh, it was uh, it was an internal job. It was a business finance job. So, right, right, right. And in 1987, Redbird uh, Arena had just broken ground, right? Yeah, it was uh, right the the outside shell was up. Um, it was a dirt floor still. The roof was not on it. Um, that was interesting. And in my our office was. That little uh, two-story brick brown bungalow just north of the uh, uh, Bone Student Center. You come out of the gates, and, and that very next block, we were at Horton. We were now uh, Ron's office was Horton. Linda, everybody was was in Horton, but uh, the business office was basically brand new. We kind of put that put it together, and we were in that little brown bungalow there, just north of uh, the student center. It was a really a great place for for an office. The coaches had to come to us. Um, which sometimes they liked it, sometimes they didn't. Uh, but it was a good place to start. And then when when the arena opened, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it wasn't finished. Most people don't remember that. Uh, oh, my yeah. God, it was dirt floors on the yeah. – well, when we got in trouble, we had to – if the girls were practicing, we'd had to run. You'd run through the halls on the one side, yeah. which was all done, and the <laughs> other side was all dirt right. on the other side. Yeah, that, yeah, it was all dirt. It was like moon dust about three inches deep. <laughs> and I remember one time, we uh, that's where we used to store some of our old files that we had to keep. And uh, I was down there looking for something, and I heard somebody turn all the lights off and start giggling. Because you can imagine you're down there, it's pitch black, and then there's those concrete pillars. You got to try and find your way out of there. Uh, it was a good. Was, was it Tom? Was it Tom? You know, I don't know who did it. Nobody ever owned up to it. But, you know, it's one of those things <laughs> I'm walking out just trying not to break my face walking into a pillar. But, uh, yeah, it was in. Uh, not everything up on the on the concourse level was finished. You know, it was the basketball offices on the one side, and on the other side, um, there was a little bit of an arena office, and then concessions had what is now the AD suite. Um, when we did some remodeling on the on the arena uh, office side, that's when the business office moved over, uh, right after the building opened. So yeah, yeah. 
But, but as a finance major, or, or accounting major, right, but you're doing financials, that's one of the biggest capital expenditures back then. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and you got to, I mean, that was a great thing to dive into, right? Yeah, yeah it was really but, interesting. And, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, uh, yeah, tax dollars are going to athletics. That's not true. There's In the state of Illinois, there's no tax dollars. And I, I called it the color of money. That's one thing you had to learn pretty quickly is different colors of money can only be used for certain things. Redbird Arena had its own budget, and you couldn't co-mingle Redbird Arena money with Horton Fieldhouse money, or you couldn't co-mingle Redbird Arena money with athletic operations. Um, so understanding those different colors of money and uh, uh, utilizing them appropriately, you know, you, get used to, you had to get used to the state system. And in athletics, yeah. the state system didn't make any sense to us <laughs> in, in, in a way that we could communicate it to our coaches. You know, coaches, you know, they, right. their travel budget and their recruiting budget and, you know, their equipment budget and, you know, the different things that you would spend on a sport. Well, in the state of Illinois, it was it was called different things. And so we essentially created a separate set of books on Lotus One Two Three. That's how old I am. Oh, wow. Yeah. On yes. Lotus One Two Three, and we were producing financial statements that uh, we would put out every month. Um, that we had to reconcile back to the university financials. And again, they weren't the right, same right. thing. The, the the line items are completely different. But we uh, we wanted to do it so that it was easier on our coaches and our administrators to understand uh, what those financial statements were. Now, we, we had some help down the road because um, not shortly thereafter, maybe the early 90s, the NCAA came out and said, we need a standard kind of a reporting line from everybody. Right, now, every right, university is right. different. Public, private, it, it, everybody does things a little bit differently. But we need to everybody use kind of the same nomenclature. And when they did that, it certainly made our jobs easier because we said, hey, NCAA said we got to report it in these ways. We're still right, going right, to reconcile right. back to the university, but it made much more sense to talk in athletic lingo as, as opposed to talking in, they called it the CUSIS code, the state accounting system. Right, yeah. right, right, right. All right, so... The next easy question is, in episode 13, my coach, Jay Lowenthal, was talking about calling up Coach Bender and Coach Bender giving him the runaround and finally said, yeah, the job's yours, but now you got to be in Larry Lyons' house at 10 o'clock tonight, so go give the recruit to somebody else and meet me. So I've now heard this story now a couple times from different coaches that that meeting went a long time. You guys were <laughs> up having some beers, planning out the entire who was staying, who was going, what did the staff look like. So now you and Jay go way back. Yes. Jay and I are from the same whole town, Pontiac, Illinois, one of the great little towns in, in Illinois right there on the, on the Mother Road, uh, Route 66. Jay and Bob, I'm a year older than those two guys are. And uh, Jay and Bob were two of the best guards in the state of Illinois their senior years in high school. Those guys knew each other pretty well. Camps yeah. together. Pontiac and Bloomington played back then. Uh, they might have both been in the Corn Belt back then, if I remember. Uh, Bloomington came up and played in the Pontiac Holiday Tournament, which is one of the greatest high school holiday tournaments in the country. Uh, so those guys knew each other. And just, you know, because I was a friend of Jay, I got to know Bob, too. Um, I don't know if they told you the story, but I was the one that drove up to O'Hare to pick Bob up to bring him in for his interview. I'm not for his interview, for his really? for his press conference. Oh, for his press, press conference. conference. Okay. 
And that was back when you could fly, you could drive up to O'Hare and basically get out of your car and walk in and go get somebody. Then come back to your car. Right, yeah, right, that's right, when it used to right. be easier. So, and I knew Bob. You know, since I knew Bob, it was easier for me to go up and get him. We stopped in Oak Brook on the way back so he could buy a suit to wear <laughs> to the to the press conference. Um, but yeah, we ended up at uh, my house on Sheridan Road in, in Normal, and uh, um, there might have been some adult beverages. <laughs> there, there, there might have been some some stories about you know high school and college and the summers, right, particularly right, the summers right. when everybody was back, and you know back when Bob had hair, he was a handsome man. I can say that. Um, he is still got. Yeah, he does, on. and he I mean, he knew his yeah, way around um, the fairer sex, um, and then. Yeah. It, we had a lot of fun uh, back when we were growing up, but uh, we did spend some time down in my basement um, discussing the future of Redbird basketball. And me being naive enough, you know, I've been a, I've been on campus for what two and a half years or something like that when yeah, that's yeah, when, when yeah, Bob was hired, yeah. um, thinking I had a little more power than I really did, as we were talking about <laughs> who, who and what and when and where and how and all that Ooh. kind of stuff, but. Uh, you know, that was a really fun time because, you know, the guys that Bob hired, not only Jay, but Billy King and Ray Giacoletti, um, just wonderful people. Um, and again, we were, we were young enough back then too, that, uh, um, it, it just, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we won, we won early, um, had that one, one tough year, but, uh, um, it was it was great for for Illinois State basketball. It was you know it was a very tough decision for Ron Wellman to make, um, to to make a change at at the time that he made the yeah. change, but it was a great hire. So were you involved with making that decision, making the change, right, to move on to interview new? Persons? Ron was uh, one of the things that uh, I really took from Ron was. Um, he didn't make decisions in vacuums. Um, he okay. he asked for opinions, and you know back then Linda Herman was uh, was was there. Um, Mike Hamrick was the on the external side. Yep. I was on the yep. internal side. Donna Taylor was the um, student support person. You know that was his. She helped. She got she got four of us through that right. year. Right, Sonny, Gerard, and I. And yep. Randy. I mean that was huge. For the men's basketball program to graduate, so he used his. We didn't graduate. He used his leadership team to help him. Um, So I was learning an awful lot about not only the hiring process, but in reverse. I hate the word fire. Can we say that somebody was replaced or let go? I just you know when when. We haven't. I haven't used that word. Right. Right. Um, It's it sounds so derogatory, Um, but when he when. It was pretty obvious a change needed to be made, um, but that was at a time that you know very popular, successful coach, um, very uh, very had a very good relationship with the local editor of the pa- of the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was going to be it was going to be an interesting thing to go through. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I was involved. Um, but as as more on a junior side because you know, Are yeah, you, you know, it's it's okay because right. 
again, athletic directors do it, do it differently. But again, I learned that, um, the more eyes you have on a situation and the more opinions you have on a situation, the better off you're going to be when you make the decision. And it's on the hiring side too. Um, the more people that are involved and then, you know, you learn to trust the people you're with. Uh, ultimately we developed what we called the process. When we hired people, we followed the same process and we try to teach new athletic directors the process. We have certain questions we're going to ask. Certain person's going to ask the same question every time. Now, it's evolved in that, you know, you you do a phone interview and then you start to do things in person. And back then you would go out and, and see people. Um, you're always trying to hide it from the media, too. Um, right, right. Yeah, obviously that process has changed dramatically because of HR rules and things like that. But if you followed your process and you asked your questions, um, you got a pretty good read on people. Um and then the conversation would go, what's, what's the best fit? I mean, I, I think there's too many times that, and I was talking, Coach Peden was a, uh, was a guest on Coach Spack's radio show tonight. And I was talking, I was talking to Ryan before the game about, about hiring and we were talking about things that had happened in the, in the world of athletics in the last, you know, mm-hmm. at, at different right, institutions right. around the country. And I said too many times, and it's, it's not just me, but, People will make a hire to win a press conference. Well, winning a press conference doesn't win a game. Right. It just makes people feel better for a little bit. Um, right. Right. To right. me, hiring is is timing and fit. The timing is always different, and the fit is always different. It may be only state basketball or football, whatever it is, but the circumstances should dictate who the person is you're trying to hire at that particular time. Obviously, they got to fit your culture right. and blah 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 blah, but. Every time that there's a there's a change in the coaching staff, the needs are different, um, and it's just again it goes back to timing and fit. Ryan and, and I were talking about about that, and, and one of the first lessons from Ron was trying to figure that particular piece out and, and get get more people in the room with you. But I knew Bob, so I, I was I was the Uber driver way back then. <laughs> so Larry, now that you're at ISU. You were there for over over 30, 30 years, like thirty three mm-hmm. years, right? Yes. Tell us about a couple, just a couple of your uh, favorite moments at ISU. I, I would think the the probably the most favorite moment was the FCS championship game in down in Frisco. Uh, yeah. Redbird Nation yeah. uh, showed up. Uh, I think the Bison were a little bit surprised because they had kind of owned that town for a while, um, but that whole sequence of games uh you know we we got to go out to eastern washington they had beat us a couple years before i mean i was as cold as i've ever been out there on that red turf um uh, we beat them there was a tragedy at the end of the game if you remember uh one of their offensive linemen's dad had a heart attack in the stands which delayed the end of the game but there was a point in the game and we were running all over cam meredith made a one-handed catch in the end zone right in front they had some portable bar set up or tents down there right outside the end zone and he he made a one-handed catch for a touchdown and then kind of did one of these things and the people the looks on their faces like oh these guys are good and uh but we 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 beat eastern washington and then we got to go all the way to new hampshire yeah and we go out Mm -hmm. there and you know they were ranked obviously higher than us because we had to go out there and um, you know, we do our thing, we get there, to stop, 
And it was, you know, I have to be on the radio then right after that game telling people what we're going to do for the championship game. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I honestly didn't think that, you know, it was going to get to this point. And then that it was just a sprint to get everything ready for Frisco. And, you know, obviously it was a great experience down there. And we just ran out of time. But uh, to see uh, a football team rally Redbird Nation and, and, and think back, who would who would, at that time we thought would go to a national championship? You weren't thinking football would go to a national championship. That's what no. a, such a great job that, that Brock did. But uh, I would have to say competitively, that has to be the one because it was a national championship. But all of the NCAA tournaments for all the sports were always very, very special. You know, winning the, the Missouri Valley Championship in 89 at home in Redbird Arena, one of the 90, 90 one of the, yeah. 8990 <laughs> that that year that year <laughs> um that that crowd i mean thank god the fire marshal didn't come in that night um yeah all those you know competitive successes uh you know baseball winning at louisville a few years ago uh was that it was game? just that, that was, was awesome. awesome um you know soccer winning the first women's soccer went in the first MCA tournament game that anybody in the Valley had ever won. And we won at Louisville. Um, All those kinds of things, you know, the competitive successes uh, are obviously highlights, but uh, um, you know, just the transformation of the athletic department from 87 uh, on um, Redbird arena, Hancock stadium, Duffy bass field, uh, all, all those brick and mortar things that that you can look back on that were the transformation of the institution from this little sleepy edge you know college town over only producing teachers to you know what we're the best darn undergraduate institution in the state of Illinois let's start acting like it and what the institution has done has and again it goes back to great leadership on the institutional side but you know, you renovate Strader Hall and you build a college of business. And, and, you know, if you haven't been back to the student center, oh, my God, you need to come back into Bowen Student Center. Um, you know, one of the greatest quads that uh, on a college campus. And I remember we were uh, – I'll come back to Hancock Stadium, but we were up in Hancock Stadium. We had a, It was a football recruiting weekend, and uh, Brock – allowed me to come up and say a few words and um and i was talking to the to the group and it was the parents and the kids and i said look out that two gla- that two-story glass window and look across main street and you can see the college of business and cook hall and you can see waterson and you can see bones so you know what a great view that is i said that's what college looks like in the midwest that's what it's supposed to look like that's the feeling you're supposed to get. And when you walk on that quad, you're in a real school that you're going to have great memories from. So to watch athletics evolve, to watch the institution grow into what is its rightful place. We are Illinois State University, and we're second without a doubt. Um, there's right. been yeah, there's been there's been so many so many great memories. The travel stories. It's just you can all go on and on. But to watch those transformations has been very, very special to be a part of it. Pay, pay a little bit of a part of it has been, it's been pretty cool for me. Yeah, just a couple of thoughts on the things you're talking about. I mean, so, so we were there in, in the uh, uh, fall of 84 through mm-hmm. 88, John and I. And I, I don't think I'm making a big statement here. We were a basketball school yes, back we were. then. Right. right? And volley, volleyball was really good. 
But, uh, I mean, football wasn't really – we did have one winning season. But it was on the oh, map, yeah. right? And, and to see that growth, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it's been awesome. Of all the programs, you know what I mean? It, it, it's much more complete than it, than it was back then. And we sat in in that championship game. And, and I'll say one thing. North Dakota State having to play the day before, right, and winning and then bingo, buy all those tickets mm-hmm. up at yeah. that time. That wasn't fair, but, but but we were in John Diner and I. We were sitting in Naperville, in a bar just full of Redbird mm-hmm. fans. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like you, you didn't you didn't see that yep. before, and, and to come there for for football, mm-hmm. un, unbelievable, yep. unbelievable. We were the the whole in Colorado and Denver yeah. and the Denver Redbird Coalition had you know sent out, and we had the whole bar packed. It had to be one hundred and fifty people in the bar on yeah. a Saturday, and my kids were with me, and so the was, the alumni. Uh, office did a wonderful job of putting together those off-site watch parties, uh, watch parties yeah. and things like that. They did, they did just an, an incredible job of that. I, I'm going to go back to another, another, uh, this was a football basketball same day. Um, we're playing at Appalachian state. I think it was the quarterfinals oh, I know and now. men's yeah, basketball yeah, yeah. was at Louisville. So the fans were split up a little bit. Um, I think President Bowman was with us at, at Appalachian State, and we blocked the extra point in overtime to win the game. And just two or three yeah. minutes later, we're still in the game at Louisville. That could have been one of the greatest days in the yeah. history of ISU yeah. athletics if yeah. if we wouldn't have had a couple whistles go a different way, or if they would have maybe called a foul. Um, <laughs> yes. Tyler Brown yeah, was fouled. I think Jackie Carmichael <laughs> was fouled. Um, but, you know, you think about, you know, it's just – you know the thing, things like that. That uh, uh, again, it's uh, college athletics. There's nothing like it. Um, there is yeah. really, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of getting uh, fans getting on board and the pure emotion and the joy and you know, and then you know we've got the just the absolute um, awful plane crash. It's three months after the national championship game. Um, it's it's it just it's the whole it's the whole circle of life thing there that uh, that's going on that uh, uh, it's it's that's what's special about being on a campus and being with young people and watching them grow and mature and uh, you know trying to do, make decisions for in their best interest that sort of thing. The, the one thing I, I want to reiterate and, and echo what you just said the the institution like in in the mid and late 80s we were the fourth largest state university so i don't kids probably don't even know it like yep. northern was bigger yep. southern was bigger right. much bigger okay and, and isu's stayed pretty yep. steady the enrollment mm-hmm. all these years and with all this you know it's very popular now right for kids in the state of illinois to go out right. of state for, for for various reasons we don't have to mm-hmm. get into why but for the for the institution to 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 keep that number of people, right, and and that population, it, it's a credit it to them, right? I mean, they yes, they invested and in, in, it's paid off. Where I think other institutions yep. probably regretfully have looked back and, and probably didn't do yeah. some of the same things they should. Have. They did, they, uh, you yeah. know. Again, we're not going to disparage anybody, but um, the strategic planning that was being done on on Illinois State's campus, um, the the very thoughtful upgrades to facilities. Um, you know, figuring out who they were and wh- where yeah, you were going yeah. was was huge. And um, yeah, Illinois State uh, 
and it's going to get a little bit bigger. You know, when, when the nursing thing, uh, when they get the building built and they can bring more kids in. I tell you what, engineering is going to going to be transformational. Uh, even though it's oh, not yeah. going to be a big college, it's still going to be transformational right. for this institution. And it's you got to yeah, right? and just you, you know, you, you know what? It. When we started talking about yeah. that, and I I was fortunate that I was the first AD that was ever on the president's cabinet. Um, and I want to thank President Deese for giving me that opportunity. But to be part of not just the athletic department decision-making and, and all that, but to be at the table when you're making decisions for the greater institution was was so yeah. rewarding. The decisions that were being made and the thoughtfulness and you know the egos were checked at the door. What are we going to do? to make this place better how are we going to grow this place and 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 um you know the the international component though covid's kind of kicked that one in the teeth a little bit but that when that one comes back that that'll certainly help but uh it's 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 really interesting when you when you have really thoughtful smart people in a room um thinking about what's best for the institution and figuring out a way to make it happen and you know you didn't get everything right um uh, right, right. A, a real quick story. We were having a cabinet meeting, and three months before that, that particular cabinet meeting down at Missouri Valley, um, I think it was Maryville came in to talk to the Valley and the ADs uh, and the SWAs and the faculty reps about esports. And they were very, very successful. And this was way before the pandemic, four or five years yeah. ago. Uh, they're very successful at it and talking about how if they see it as a as an enrollment driver and it's a different kind of kid and there's a lot of money out there in terms of sponsorships, blah, 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 blah. But we all agreed that's not an NCA sport. That's not something we would want in the athletic department, but it would be good for the institution to maybe invest in. Right. So we're in the cabinet meeting and esports is on the agenda. And they had brought in some of the technology people because that's obviously heavily, there's a heavy technology component to that. Yep. And I could just tell they were a little bit leery about what's athletics going to say about this. Um, well, anyway, I, I went through the whole yep. conversation with, with, with Maryville. And at the end of the day, I said, that's good for our institution. And they all went, oh. And guess what? They built them their own arena for crying out loud. they got so many kids that want to be in East Oh, Florida. yeah. Athletics wants right. to be a partner in that. John and I... John yeah. and I have the East Shore jerseys because we yes. play a couple of the it's games. Yes, awesome. You know, that's, that's just, yeah. again, growing your institution, for crying out loud. Yeah. J- John Diner thinks he could be on a team because <laughs> he's still games. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my calling yeah. back then, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Larry, let's talk about some of the responsibilities and, and the roles of the AD. And, and one thing that always comes up on, on fans is uh, scheduling, Right. And is that something that the AD helps in or, or they give guardrails or is it 100% up to the coach and stuff like that? Because you should see the, the speculation amongst fans on, on, the on board. that one. Oh, John and, everywhere. John and Steve live on the okay. board. Yeah, and it's, yeah. All right. Um, it's different per sport, but let's just talk about football, men's basketball. Okay. Because I'm sure that's the one that gets – or those two get the most – get the most play. Yeah. Football yeah. – um, even when I wasn't the AD, I was the primary football scheduler. But you got to remember, it's only for three games because your conference right. schedule is given to you every year. Uh, but I, uh, when I was uh, before AD, I was, it was part of my uh, role was to work on football scheduling. So 
we have the Eastern Illinois series. So really it's only two games a year that you're, that you're really working on. Um, typically one of them is the FBS game, the money game. Um, and then one's another, another non-conference game. Um, and it, it fell on, on, on me because of the guarantees that were involved and being the, being the finance guy. And I, I thought football scheduling was a ball. Other than it was, it was a lot of liars poker because you, you, there used to be a, uh, used to be a, a former ESPN guy that uh, was trying to kind of not corner the market but help everybody with scheduling. And he would have these calendars that you could look at. Well, you knew if somebody had a date or not if, if you right. did your homework. And then it was, well, I don't know. We got to talk to this. We got to talk. Hey, wait a minute. Do you want to play or not? Let's, right, let's get right. past, the, get past the BS. Um, so I would say, yes, the AD has, has his hands more in football scheduling than in, in, in basketball schedule. And, and the thing about football scheduling too, and particularly at our level, at the FCS level, we are playing that guarantee game. Right. And I want to use the Denver Johnson example. Um, I don't remember how many years Denver was our coach, but we'll say it was not 10 years, okay? Um, and I scheduled every one of those money games back then. Um, that was, uh, so in all likelihood, in Denver, I don't think won one of those games. So he automatically had a loss on his career record every year. Right, right. I think right. Denver's career record was like 55 and 65 maybe. All right. He, he and every FCS coach has they just have to go along with that. Well, well, Denver was let go, and he took one for everybody else in the athletic department because we scheduled that particular game for him. Because it's a money game, game. and that money didn't go to football. That money went in the operating budgets of the athletic department. Everybody participated in that. Um, It's the same for Brock. Now Brock has won a bunch of those games, which which is good for us. But um, at the FCS level. That's that's a pretty unique thing, and most coaches don't start their career with a loss every year like that. And in football, you only get eleven right. usually eleven opportunities. Right. That's a pretty significant percentage of your career that is yeah. out of your control. Now, he didn't get to pick Eastern Illinois, and the coach doesn't get to pick your conference. Um, uh, but I, to, that was one thing that has always stuck with me about the scheduling piece uh, is is uh, is that particular thing in football. But again. The athletic director is much more involved in, in, in football scheduling. In, in basketball scheduling, there are guarantees. Can, can I ask you a question? About sure. the football? So when you call up, let's say you call up the, the Big Ten yeah. school, right? And, and there's an open date, whatever, it's close enough to drive wherever mm-hmm. it is. It, is it, does it come down to like the money and the guarantees then? And, and it, that's where the poker's coming in. Like they got two other FCS schools and... You know, you want four fifty, and they're offering four hundred thousand because school access. There's a little. I, I don't yeah, know. There's I, a little bit of that, and they're usually juggling a couple of SCS because there's there's more of us than there are of them, trying to get these games. Right. Yeah. Um, we tried to stay in the central time zone. We tried to keep it a bus trip, but there's sometimes it's just because of who's available and who's not. It had to be a right. flight. Um, anytime that you flew two time zones west, it was brutal on your football team coming home. I remember we, we we it was Todd Berry. We played at Utah, uh, Southern Utah, and we played at UNLV in the same month. And we got back, and it was light out when we got back from both of those trips on Sunday morning. I saw the sunrise yeah. twice. 
in in, in that in, on those days. Uh, so two time zones, and not for any team, two time zones west is a killer coming back. So all these conferences that are you know they're look at the Big Ten. There's gonna be three time zones. Oh, yeah. the, the, the impact on the student athletes is going to be dramatic uh, on their right. travel. Um, but again, going back to football, we tried to stay in the central time zone. We, you know, you'd obviously prefer a bus trip because you maximize your guarantee. Um, you know, we we played Illinois in two thousand three or four. That was the first time those two schools had played in fifty years. Then we got them again in like 2007 or something like that. And then we weren't weren't scheduled to play them until 2020 again. COVID. And it was the COVID year. And now we don't have them until 28 because that was the next next available year. Um, But it's, it's, you know, I I really enjoy it. Now there's a, there's, it's a little bit easier now because there's a, there's a guy out there that um, assists literally every school with, with their football schedule. He knows who's open. He knows who's trying to change. Um, he's trying to help put matchups together. Uh, so, so for the person making the calls, one of the first calls you make is to that guy because he knows where things are at, and he's helping trying to be a millman uh, and getting that done. You know, and it's a little more high tech because you know everything's on the internet and that sort of thing. Men's basketball schedule because of the guarantees, and we're going to buy home games so that we have more home games for men's basketball. Plus, you have a better home season ticket package. So you're right. selling football. And you're buying men's basketball, um, and then you're doing that in conjunction with the basketball coach. They have those contacts. There's more games that you have to deal with, so you're going to allow. And it's not the head coach making all those calls. It's going to be an assistant coach making those calls. But you're trying to agree on a on a on a schedule in a, in a given year. Trying what what you're going to do. Dan always had a really good philosophy in terms of home and homes and trying to balance his schedule. And he was pretty easy to deal with on things like that. You know, Coach Jankovic didn't want to play as tough of a schedule. He was just going to try and win more games. Both of them, right, right. they all work in different ways. And you know what? Both of Absolutely. those guys had a 33, and we didn't get in. You know, Jake right. did, yeah. and Dan did. On, you know, in 2017, I'll give you yeah. the NCAA yeah. the committee back then in 2017. They started. They take two guys off the basketball committee, and they call the you know, those four or five schools that didn't make it. And it was Bruce Rasmussen from Creighton and Tommy Holmo from uh, uh, from BYU called me and said, Larry, sorry about this. And do you have any questions? And my question was, and I didn't say it as nice as this, what happened? Why? Right, right. Absolutely. Why? And, they, you know, they, they kind of tap danced around it a little bit. And ultimately, Larry, you didn't play anybody. I said, Bruce, you were in our league and you won't play us. What are we supposed to do? Crickets. Yeah, Neither one of them could say a word. Yeah. I mean, right, and right. you know what? We're not the only one. Missouri State's been, you know, they've had a had a rough go. Uh, we've had a we've had a rough go a couple of times. Um, but you're trying to manage your skill. Plus, you're trying to do it uh, on a basket on men's basketball. Depending on what, what do you think you have? And if you're going to be a little better, you got to play a little bit better of a schedule. Um, yeah, yeah. If not, then you, you know you got to try and win some games. And at the same time, kind of grow your program, that sort of thing. The other sport that I, the AD needs to be more involved in, this goes back to when I, I was fortunate enough to be on a, the baseball committee for a couple of years, which was a fabulous experience. You know, men's basketball committee gets all the publicity, but baseball is the second most popular championship in the NCAA. 
And if you've never been to the College yeah. World Series in Omaha, you got to go do that thing one time. But I was on the baseball committee, and to be in the room and making those decisions was, I mean, that was one of the coolest things I did professionally. But I learned how you need to schedule to get an at-large bid. Right, right. So those conversations right. with our baseball coaches, if, if you think that you're going to win the Valley Tournament every year, that's not going to happen. So you've, gotta, you've really got to be strategic in your scheduling. And, uh, and in baseball, it's just a couple of wins can take you a long way. The year we beat Vanderbilt when they were number right. one, it was, it, it was, it was um, I can't remember, it was 19 or anyway, it was, Steve, it was Steve's first year. Um, that win yeah. carried us in the RPI. Now, we had other really good wins, don't get me wrong. But that, that carries, no, and it was no. very strategic. You, you went down, you're going to play a really good team on the road. You're not supposed to win three of the games, and you end up winning one. And it's, it's, it's really – And the Valley, the valley was the valley good was that good year, that year. Too, And then – Missouri State, yep, Indiana yep, State, yep, Dallas Baptist. Yep. And then you got to – you know, when you play those teams, you got to beat those teams too. And in baseball, yeah. you know, yeah, in baseball you, get, you get more chances because you're playing more games. But there's a lot of strategic right, – right thought that needs to go into a baseball schedule as well so it's not as easy as you think and the big boys are never going to play us at our place it doesn't matter emotionally no, what here. you think yeah. um when i was on and i remember when, when i played right we had at purdue at purdue uh three at purdue's and one at yeah. home right so my senior year we had purdue at home so we had to play them three times mm -hmm. at purdue and one at home and so yeah they're not doing and, that uh, kind they're not doing three for ones two for ones you got to have a relationship uh there might be uh yeah, yeah. you know it's it's unlikely ohio state's going to come here because of ryan's relationship it'd be nice if they did but i'm just going to tell yeah. you that's unlikely that that's going to happen um uh, we couldn't talk right. illinois into coming here you know i think back to the nit in the 2017 year Oh, you know, yeah. if we, yeah. if, oh, God, if yeah. you know, we get, we would have Illinois at our place in a semifinal. It was funny. Our, yeah. our, our marketing director at the time said it would have been vicious in there. Uh, had we had that game. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. But it would have been so much fun, but well, it, look, it, it look, didn't look, happen. But look at 2004. We talked to yeah. Ronnie Carwell about playing yeah. it in the, in Illinois yes. going into overtime. That scared the crap out of Bruce Weber. He was never yeah. going to. And come Bruce is a good again. guy, but he's now he's right. not going to do that. I, yeah. I even talked to Bruce about yeah. that. Um, the year that uh, we both played in Cancun at the same time, we flew on the same airplane. I mean, I called over to Illinois. Uh, Dana Brenner was uh, was a, a, a colleague over there, and I said, Dana, how are you guys getting down to Cancun? He said, Well, we're talking about charter. I said, Why don't we just charter one big plane? We control. We can fly out of Bloomington. Um, we control our, our leave time. We control when we come back. Um, we each, we'll take half the plane. You'll take half the plane. We can figure out the purchasing part of that. It was an awesome trip. That's not going to happen wow. again, I don't think. <laughs> so... But I, does that answer your scheduling question? Did I, did I get in enough detail there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, you blew so, away. I'm going to follow the scheduling... I don't know if like with softball and baseball. I mean, they spend half their season yeah, down right. south, right? How do you guys work out all those traveling? I mean, that's just got to be a softball is easier than baseball because softball can take four weekends and go to one place and play eight games or seven games. Uh, it all comes down to they need two or three pitchers and baseball needs 15. 
Uh, that's the huge difference between those right. two sports. So softball can get a lot of games in in a short period of time. Baseball, you can get three in a weekend. You know, if you try and push four in there, yeah. then you're really stretching your pitching staff. Yeah. Um, so the, the scheduling is very, very different. You're right. For northern schools, it's unfair. Um, you know, somebody like LSU isn't going to leave Baton Rouge. They're going to play 30 games at home before. Um, you know, Mark Kingston, one of my one of my good friends in the business. He was our baseball coach. Now he's at South Carolina. He's not leaving Columbia, South Carolina to go play anybody unless it's Clemson and a midweek game. Right. Um, not in the not in the non-conference. I mean, his conference set SEC baseball is too too hard. So, um, it's it's right. it's hard for it's hard for them. But Steve's done a really good job of finding. You know, we've wanted Arkansas. Oh yeah, uh, we've oh, wanted yeah. we've wanted Vanderbilt. Win. You don't have to win the series. You got to win the game. Yeah. Um, your kids want to go play those games. That's like the football guys. They want to go play at Wisconsin. Right. But you're not going to yeah. do that. 10 times, but you can maybe do it once, but what happened to us there? And Wisconsin's always been a team that we've tried to avoid because you have to be physical to go play those guys. What happens? We lose Cole Mueller, or, or you know, our best running back. Oh, yeah. You don't want your quarterback yeah. to get hurt in that game. Yeah. Um, you got to be careful about, yeah. about some of those games, but then you might bank in a field goal at Northwestern and, and you get to win a game. So, yeah. So, Larry, another topic that always comes up, especially with this conference chaos that's, that's going on and mm-hmm. conference realignments is, uh, you know, especially with regards to football, you know, FCS versus FBS. So can you just share some thoughts on that, especially from the perspective of, of school like, like ISU? Wow, it's a great question. And it's whenever I did a class presentation, this question came up too. Yeah. Um, there's so many angles to that, to that question. Um, let me start by saying um, you have to really know who you are and what your strengths are uh, in terms of making that decision. Um, if it's purely a football decision, you're going to be thinking about different things. But if you're concerned about the other 18 sports, and in our case, I mean, our, historically we've been a basketball school, you better think about what it's going to do to your men's basketball program depending on what you do with, with your football program. Um, where are you going to go? I'm going to ask that question back to you guys. Let's just say we're having the conversation. Where are we going to go? Is it, right. the Mac? Is it the Mac? And if it's the Mac, do you want to play on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday? That's the things that pop up, right? Those right. are the discussions. Those are the right. questions. Is, is that the best place for your men's basketball program? Is that the best place for your baseball program? Is that the best place for your women's basketball program? Let alone your other sports? Um, right. Or you end up in Conference USA and you're traveling all over the place, right? Right. Conference USA, which is not Conference USA anymore because now right. it's, it's different. Um, I think there was an argument before the pandemic and before the latest round that the American might be a place to go. Uh, but then, again, the travel part, the, the budgetary part of that thing. Becomes a becomes a discussion. Um, you know, Big East is out because it's they don't they don't play football. Don't play um, football yeah. is important yeah. to Illinois State, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, homecoming really? and family weekend and all the intangibles. 
Um, now that we have a stadium that you can actually host a game and feel good about it, remember the the zoo and those fifty yeah. rows of crappy bleachers on the east side—that was embarrassing. Um, how we ever got anybody to come here and play football? There's a reason maybe we weren't weren't very good. But now, Hancock Stadium is a beautiful place. It's the right size. Um, if you're going to go to FBS, you're going to have to significantly change the footprint of your of your stadium. Um, the budgetary implications are pretty dramatic, and it's just not um, 23 more scholarships or 22 more scholarships. It's more assistant coaches. It's more trainers. It's more strength coaches. It's more academic support. Um, and th that list goes on and on and on. Um, and you're probably going to have to do some things for your other sports relative to their budgets, depending on where you go. So it's not that simple, but I, I, I go back to where are you going to go? That's the best right. possible fit. Not emotionally right. where you think you could go, but where are you going to go? Um, you know, there's been conversations uh, I maybe mainly by the media about North Dakota State. Where are they going to go? Right, right. Are they going to just go as a football program? Are they going to are they going to take their uh, their other sports with them? They're going to have to make a stadium decision. You know, the Fargo right. Dome isn't yeah. isn't big enough. Right. You know, they're they're you know we draw more fans than some of the Mac schools. Absolutely right. Um, so there's there's a there's a whole bunch of things that that uh, go into that discussion. I want to take you back to the seventies and think about this. And Illinois State had just kind of exploded coming out of the sixties, and they were pretty good athletically. You know, baseball won a championship. Basketball was really good. Um, so the other sports were pretty good. But think about the early seventies. And it was Doug Collins, and it was D.A. Wybring, and it was Dave Bergman, and it was, um, I don't think Kathy Boswell was there then, but it might have been Charlotte Lewis might have been back. I mean, think about uh, how good Illinois State was back in the early 70s. If they would have had the forethought to expand Illinois State athletics back then. And I'm not saying anything bad about the decision makers back then. Right. But they didn't know any better. Right, right. They made the best but decision think, with yeah, the information. I'll put it, I'll put yeah. it in these terms. Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. Columbia, Missouri. Ames, Iowa. Just think of the names of these towns. I picked a couple yeah. Big 12 ones there, but Champaign, Bloomington, Indiana, West Lafayette. We were no different. Right, we, right we, yeah. but we didn't think about that back then. To me, that that hurts the decision now as much as anything, because we weren't yes, thinking yeah. about it back then. Again, not saying anything bad about them, but boy, there was a time that if you're going to make the move, that's that was probably right. the time yeah. to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was probably. So if you if you had to pull out your crystal ball and look forward, I mean, the whole football lands is changing that yeah. whole landscape. I mean, do they eventually break off and have the top 64 teams and, and you know and then there's another 60 you know fbs mm -hmm. teams that are on the outside looking in and do they merge with the fcs and so naturally it starts progressing that way anyways is that some of the forethought too and you know i i think that you, you have to think about that but before you think about those those top ones breaking off just look at the look at the haves and the have-nots in the big 10 yeah absolutely the haves or the have-nots, just pick any of the of the Power Five. You know, the differences in budget in the Big Ten are as dramatic as the differences in budget between FBS and FCS. Absolutely. So at, at that level, 
there's some schools that can't compete for right. a national championship. They can compete. Right. Right. I'm not saying right. that, but realistically, we're talking about the same eight to ten schools every year. Every okay. now and Absolutely. then. Absolutely. Every now and then somebody pops up because they've got a really good quarterback or they, you know, they've got a, a good run for a couple of years. But primarily it's going to be the same schools, schools yeah. every year. Um, I don't think it would help the other sports if football went off on their own. Right, right. It doesn't help basketball. It doesn't help the women's sports. It doesn't help baseball. Um Money may dictate that, which is too bad that because money dictates a lot of the stuff now. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's Good there's there's some things yeah. to be said about um, this. Truly, is well, not anymore. But I, I think it's it's pure amateur athletics, though the the money at the at the higher levels is 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 pretty dramatic. Um, there's some things that maybe we, we shouldn't mess with. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think you know expanding the football playoffs. I think will help because it'll it'll bring some more Cinderellas into the thing, which is what makes the men's basketball. That's what makes it great, right? Right. right. So, um, I would hope that they don't they don't split off. Um, the NCAA needs to modernize. The NCAA needs to do a lot of things. But let's think about this too. The NCAA is us. It's the member institutions ultimately are making decisions, and you hire people to administer it. The NCA is this right. ivory tower over in Indianapolis just doing things on their own. No, it's the institutions, the 360 or so that are in Division One, are making decisions for Division One. And think about that disparity right. from the very yeah. top, the highest budget, to the very bottom. I mean, there's some schools uh, that are trying to do their athletic budget at the Division One level that don't have as much budget as some of the football coaches are individually getting paid. Right. So that's it. It's very complicated. It's there's not a, there's yeah. not an easy answer to that one. So so speaking of money, uh, let's talk about fundraising, mm -hmm. right? So how's that changed? You know, you first came in late eighties mm -hmm. to now. I mean, that whole landscape is just so much different. And, and, and yeah, it's uh, talk about the approach back then versus like what, what you have to do now know, for, you, for fundraising. Everybody's bread and butter has been their annual fund. And it's based or usually it's either, it's either around your football ticket sales or your men's basketball ticket sales. And it's a donation to allow you to buy a, a seat in a certain location and, and park, park yeah. in a certain location. That's the gold standard for everybody is how do you maximize your annual fund and, and, and develop, develop those people. But then when the facility race took off, and institutions couldn't help athletics build facilities, and you had to you had to fundraise. That turned it into you had to become a more professional fundraising organization, and you had to have conversations with people who had significant wealth, ask them to try and help you. And that's where, again, the bigger institutions with much larger alumni bases have a built-in advantage too. Um, Absolutely. Illinois State is is growing into its next era of development. That that culture of philanthropy. Now that we're we've had two campaigns, and we're seeing our graduates expand their world beyond education. And there's more professionals. There's more doctors and lawyers and such. If I can say that, uh, there's going to be engineers coming down the road. As the Illinois State alums become more 
wealthy and they and they're and they're starting to age and they need to do some of that well it's going to start trickling back not just to athletics but to the institution as a whole um you know for years the directionals in illinois state didn't have to fundraise right. athletics did because we needed to support our budget um now you're going to have to find those individuals who want to help you that's how you get an indoor bill you found enough people that who, are, who thought enough of you to help you get an end of the bill. Right, right, um, right. That's how the Dakotas are getting things done. Now, they don't have pro sports up there, so their people up there support their, their state institutions, but they only have two each, for crying out loud. So you gotta, you got to right. pick one. But that's okay. That's, they're, that, that's what their game is up there. So right. fundraising has become very important in terms of um, – continuing to to offset uh, the, the the cost increases you know most people don't know that when when al bowman gave us permission to go with the, the football stadium uh, a major chunk of that was going to come through existing student fees it wasn't a new fee but there was an existing fee that was going to be repurposed to help pay for the help pay for the stadium because it was going to be more than just a football stadium athletics agreed yeah. to fundraise the first five million because of the timing of the fees becoming available and we did that based on the club seats and donations and things like that. But that that facility has become because of the now the name Aaron Leach Club, the most unique, cool place to entertain in Bloomington Normal. Right. It's just not right. a football suite. It is, right. it's everything else you can think of to put in there, and it's got the coolest view of about any entertaining space in Illinois for crying out loud, other than maybe yeah. Northwestern's indoor because it looks on Lake Michigan or something like that. Um, right, but that that that's a campus facility that is is more than just an athletic facility. Um, yeah, it's going to be and it's going to continue to be like that. It's the the pressure to fundraise to do more uh, and to to offset to offset the rising costs, and you know the hotels and the restaurants and the bus lines and the airlines and everything that we're buying. Those people don't care what our budget's like. They got to they got to they got to right. meet their bottom line too. So they're not going to give us any more breaks. Um, so, uh, the pressure to, 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 for athletic directors at all levels to, to meet their budgets and to keep their facilities upgraded is, and it's going to have to be come, a lot of it's going to have to come from private donors. There's no question. Yeah. yeah. Is that where it helps too, like long-term in a school of engineering? Yeah. Because I mean, let's face it. I mean, their, their potential mm -hmm. earning power is much greater, sure. right. right. Than, than, you know, other majors and stuff right. like that. So. Right. And then, uh, you know, EA Sports, you know, some yeah. of those things, yeah. too. No, yeah. I mean, no. seriously, there's a, there, there's a long-term return. I don't know if you guys talk about that. Yeah, there is. And you gotta, first of all, you've got to find them and then determine if there's an interest yeah. and what, it, what is their interest. But yeah. I will tell you, the largest yeah. gift to the institution in the last campaign came to athletics. Ironically, they're both educational alums who have done very well right. outside nice. of education. Wow. So it, it can't happen, but you know they they, they took their their education degrees and, and they they went into the business world and became very successful. But um, there's people out there. There's Illinois State alums who have been very very successful. You need to identify them and uh, uh, develop relationships with them and see what they're interested in. And it doesn't make a difference if they want to support art or esports or athletics or whatever. It doesn't matter because it's helped the institution. Right, right. And that's, yeah, that's, sure. that's going to, that's going to, you know, a big part of it. You know, I will tell you the improvements to uptown normal. 
help recruit students and their parents more than most people realize. It's For that sure. whole package there is a big okay. part of and, and that the foresight of normal to support its largest employer um, and, a place, and, and, a, and an institution that's not going anywhere. Um, that town and gown relationship is, is vital to the success of, right. of the community and of Illinois State. I got a question for you, sure. Larry. One of the things Butter, Butterly, Dan Butterly said during his episode was some of those, you know, Big Ten schools that you mentioned just two minutes ago that can't compete with like the Ohio mm -hmm. State and their $200 million budget. But some of them are staying just because the Big Ten network pays them right. so much money, right? right? Has the Missouri Valley Conference ever thought about having their own network? I mean, how hard is that to do? Is that crazy? Or, or are we just going to end the interview right here because that's a dumb No, it's a, it's, it's a great question, but the only, you know, Missouri Valley does have its own network. It's on ESPN Plus and ESPN3. And that's how literally everybody else below the Power Fives are doing it. Now, I remember those discussions okay, way okay. back in the day when we were talking about it, and it was going to require a pretty significant investment in technology. And then you're going to yeah, have to staff yeah, yeah. it. And some of the schools are saying, nah, I don't know. But if you if you partner with your communications department and and other academic units, it's the one of the best things we've done to get yeah. our word out. And we can all watch them. And, you know, streaming streaming Absolutely. is where it's going. And, you know, you got to put up with yep. a, a young announcer every now and then on a particular campus. <laughs> yeah. That's not why you're watching is to listen to him. You're watching the Redbirds play somewhere. Um, right. Right. That's that's our network. There's a little bit of value there. We're never going to, and the Big Ten Network and the SEC Network and all those, we're never going to have something like that. We're just, we don't have, we don't have the communities, we don't have the alumni bases, we don't have that cachet. Um, yeah, you know, the yeah, media is yeah. going to support the big guys as opposed to supporting the little guys. You know, Cinderella right. is going to be good every now and then, but uh, that's not enough to, to pay for the advertisers to, to, in, to invest in, in, in them. Yeah. Um, I wish it would. Okay, I want you to think back. I'm glad you brought up the Big Ten Network. I want you to think back. We, uh, the football uh, coaches and administrators get together up in the Big Ten office because most people, I don't know if most people know or not know, but the uh, football officials in the Missouri Valley are like Class A, and they move up to the MAC, which would be Triple A, and they move up to the Big Ten. So that's, that's the pecking order, and we're all in this consortium together. So we'd go up to the uh, the Big Ten office and have our have our football meetings in February, um, and they've got a, they've got a room uh, up there where there's I don't know how many flat screens are up there, and DV Sport has two full time staff there managing their technology. It's really kind of cool to go up there, and they can pull up any play from the past year that you want to watch, and you can discuss was it targeting or whatever it was. Um, but I've often wanted to find out where the color printer is in the Big Ten office, where all that money comes from. But think back. I kind of got off track there. But think back. When did things really start to change financially? Ohio State was always bigger than Illinois State budget-wise. The right. Big Ten network changed everything. Yeah. Changed everything. It changed everything. The money that the schools are getting, it changed their investment in facilities. It changed their investment in salaries. It changed everything because they, and it was brilliant by Jim Delaney to, to, to do that. Well, it was. It changed yeah, it was. everything. And it all got bigger. So, 
Let's talk about our conference. In, in my one of my favorite events is the Missouri Valley mm-hmm. Conference basketball tournament. We we go down there. It's not just because I'm hanging out with these guys. And, and I no, I mean seriously. I I think every Redbird basketball fan should go down to the conference. Whether whether it's men's go to the men's tournament, right. women's go to the women's tournament. And it's great in St. Louis, right? Because you can walk yep. around. You meet tons of mm-hmm. new people, and you form like all these different sure. bonds and stuff like that. So you know, we've been down there, and Pemberton likes to meander all over the place and talk to everybody, mm-hmm. right? And he he's talked to you there as well. Well, father he, probably is better. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can never sit in his seat, right? And the seats we get are never good mm-hmm. enough, or whatever. He, it, so Pemberton, tell us the story about like. We're sitting in our seats, but somehow we end up in who's... Larry had had a death in the family and said, I'm not going to be here on Sunday, so if you want to sit in the seats, go take my seats. But whose seats did we end up in? We were in Larry's seats. No. Yes, we were. We were in in front of Deets. No, we We were in President Deets' seats. (laughs) No, we were in front of Larry. No, we were in front of... You're wrong, John. We were in President Deets' seats. He comes in and looks at us. <laughs> and by the way, this guy leaves. Oh, he was okay. not there. John was not there. He was not there. there. He's walking around meandering again talking. And Steve and John are sitting in President Deets' seats. Okay. He comes in. It's yep. super nice, right? He looks at us. And he sits behind us, John. But we were in his seats. Larry Lyons' seats were in front of President Deeds. I'm telling John, you. John, I never sat in front of President Deeds. I was always behind him. <laughs> hey, let's talk about the term. I think it's, I think it's awesome. My, uh, my son-in-law, uh, my daughter married a great guy from Memphis. He walked on and played basketball at Georgia for a couple of years. Very cool. Yeah. He came to the Valley Tournament last year. It was just a boys' trip. None of the man, none of the girls came. The spouses didn't come. He was very impressed by the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Obviously, the building's been upgraded. That was nice, but he was very impressed by the Valley Tournament. Yeah. It's going to be significantly different next year because we're going to have four games wow. on Thursday. Oh, we're yeah, going to have yeah. we're going to have four. You know, we're going to have eight, those four games are going to play into the four seeds. So that that Thursday stigma is going to have to go away. Because oh yeah, there's more people playing into the top four, so that and you know you and, and getting that by yes. the first day is going to be oh, crucial. You want to be the top four teams, yes. yes. Playing back to back to back yeah. three games yep. is tough. Done it multiple yep. times, and yeah, to so add a fourth game in, it's going to just... change the dynamic for the fans. You know, it, it used to yeah, be a absolutely. Thursday night. Now there's going to be an afternoon session on Thursday. Yeah. Well, and I always mm-hmm. told these guys, if I'm flying, because I used to live in Phoenix, I've now moved, Bloomington normal, but um, I uh, would tell these guys, if I'm flying in, right, and we lose um, early, we're not leaving. We're staying for the whole tournament because they could just drive mm-hmm. back to Chicago at the right. time, right? And so I kept uh, I kept threatening them, no, right? So, but yeah, we, we love watching basketball. We're there for all those games. I will tell you so. one of the things that gave me the most anxiety was Thursday was no fun to play on, but the Friday game no. was the most important game to me as an athletic director 
because if we won that game, it made your fans feel like they were there for the weekend. The two-night minimum wasn't an issue. Paying for the tickets wasn't an issue. They were going to get another day, possibly two days in St. Louis. I was more anxious about the Friday game for not just about the win or the loss. It was about how it impacted our people that went down there because Redbird fans have been very good to to supporting our team and very good to that tournament down there. All right, so, Larry, thank you so much. Larry was my athletic director when I was at Illinois State. Um, we always give you a chance to wrap up. Anything you want to close with? Well, first of all, again, say thanks, guys, for taking the time and allowing me to, to you know share a few stories and ramble a little bit about, about <laughs> uh, college athletics. But um, when we made the move in 87 to, as a family to, to join the Redbird family, um, my two my two brothers were thrilled because I gave up my season tickets in, over in Champaign, and they they got free tickets. But um, <laughs> you know, athletics becomes a lifestyle. If you're really doing it for the right reason, it's not the sexy reason to go to the games and stuff, but the right reason yeah. to support the student athletes and to make their experience the the best thing possible. You've got to commit. You know, it's right. nights and it's weekends and it's 365 days a year. And, um, and I'm a little cliche there when I say that, but if you're really doing it right for the right reasons, you've got to you've got to commit. And my family, my wife, and my kids grew up there. Um, Redbird Arena is a hell of a babysitter when they're little. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, give them a ball, let them loose. They, you know, tell them not to go up in the upper bowl, but. Um, the experiences that they had and that we have, I, you know, I look back and um, I would not change that lifestyle for anything. It's been rewarding. Um, it's been frustrating at times. Uh, the losses have been hard at times. Uh, the friendships that you make, uh, the, the, you know, people, coaches are committed to doing the right thing and growing, you know, yeah. Yeah. Leroy Watkins played with Dan, came from nothing, walked out of there with a degree, is successful. I mean, that's the poster child for what we're doing. And everybody lose sight sight of that because it's about winning. Um, All of the degrees, all of the success stories, uh, all all, – you take a 17- or 18-year-old young man or young woman, and they leave there grown up, more mature. to, To see that. That's that's so rewarding. Again, that probably sounds cliche, but if you're doing it for the right reasons, um, you imp- you're impacting people's lives. And then the people that work their butts off, the trainers and the strength coaches and the academic support people, and you know the facility guys, and you know just think of all those people who work their tails off to provide that for the student athletes so they can compete in front of all the fans who want to do it because they're having fun. Um, right. It's just a, it's a great place, and then and I was lucky enough to be on the on the president's uh, leadership team to to help bring the institution forward. It's it's been awesome for me. Um, uh, it's it's been great for my family, and I'm just I was so fortunate that uh, back in 1987 I was able to join that that athletics world, and I grew up quite a bit. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to be an AD. You know, there's 350 of them in the country. That's a pretty small fraternity, small right? Or sorority. Yes. I mean, we got to be inclusive there. But uh, yeah, yeah. 
um, to have that chance, uh, it's it's been very, very rewarding. And I'm glad I did it at Illinois State because uh, even Ron said, Illinois State's in one of those places that's in the sweet spot yeah. where it's a great place, it's a great community, and we're doing things that, are, you know, we're trying to win championships, but we're producing really good people, and they're going out in the world and they're being successful. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank um, you, guys. From, from you and from Ron Wellman and Beth Landis, who is my academic advisor, and Ruben and Doc and all the yeah. people that, you know, helped us get degrees and, and win games and, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Young over in facilities and, you know, they were always getting us in the gym to work on free throws. And so what a great family to be a part of. And, and that's why I do all the alumni mm -hmm. stuff and, and so that. So, all right, this is a wrap for Bird Fans Forever. This is episode 23 with Larry Lyons, the AD. John, hit it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.